Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show, and please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. I'm excited to be joined by a great friend and industry expert, as well as an integrated partner of Driver Reach, Lori Fernell, president of Truck Drivers USA, a hub for drivers, carriers, and everyone in between. Welcome to the show, Lori. So great to see you. Great to see you, too. It's always a good time when we're together, I feel like. Well, there's a lot to uh, unpack with our call today. So uh, I'd like to learn uh, how you got started in the industry. I'd like to hear how you've benefited from being on various sides of the recruiting and marketing world and uh, having worked in private fleets, for hire fleets, as well as an agency. Uh, I'd like to know what prompted you to take the helm at Truck Drivers USA and and discuss how that's going so far. Uh, Certainly want to hear what the future looks like for you and, and what direction you see the industry going. And of course, we'll answer a question submitted by a listener during our deeper dive segment. Does that all work for you? Sounds great. Well, I know I know you're a reader. We both uh, share this affinity. So maybe before we dive in, I would like to know uh, you can maybe offer a book recommendation. Uh, is there any particular inspirational books that you've read within the last you know months or years that that you'd really like to suggest to the readers? Absolutely, I have Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. Um, it's it's talks about, I love the whole idea of being fierce when you're a short person, especially a short female. Fierce, you're often called that if you have any kind of spunkiness. So I've been called fierce a few times in my, my career and lifetime. But the, the book is around just being brave enough to have the right kind of conversations and to be, um, and to be, to, to develop those conversations. It, it basically says conversations equal relationship. So when you're working in the, in the, with your counterparts, the more you can, the better conversations you have, you can deepen your relationships and you can be much more influential. You can move the needle quicker, faster, uh, more appropriate. One of the things that talks about that I love when I, early in my career, I started off in Maverick. Okay. So I, I got my first leadership position and, and one of the owners of Maverick came in and sat down and he said, okay, look, you're new to this. So you need a framework on how to make decisions. And so he basically, his his view was, if the decision is good for the driver and it's good for the customer, make the decision. If the decision is um, good for the customer, but not for the driver, or good for the driver, not for the customer, seek input, but always err on the side of the driver. And then if the decision is not good for either one of those, he's like, don't make the decision. So that was his guideline. And that was so freeing and so important to me, my development, because I knew what I was allowed to do, right? This book takes it, and I love the way they do it. They, they equate decision-making to a tree. And they say, okay, there's leaf decisions that you just make. It's just a leaf. It just falls off the tree and goes on, and you just make them. And, and you know, it's kind of the Nike, just do it. And then there's branch decisions that you make, but then you inform people. So here's, I, I made this decision. I've already implemented it. But by the way, you need to know that I've done this decision. It affects them a little bit, but not really. They just need to be aware of it. Then they talk about truck decisions, and truck decisions are decisions that you need to share the decision. You need to seek input before you actually implement the decision. So you need to go to your peers or whatever and say, here's the decision I'm wanting to make. Here's where I'm going with it. Before I go public, is there anything I need to consider? You know, you do that. And then the last are, are root decisions where it's decisions that really can change the way the organization works. And that those are ones that you truly have to get a huge, you know, have input, have 
um, other people involved in, in making that and implementing that. And so, I, so what I'm working with my team is, you know, here, what kind when they come to me with something, I'll go, is it a leaf, a branch, a trunk, or a root? Well, if it's a leaf, go do it, right? If it's a trunk, let's have this conversation. Who else needs to be involved in that? If it's a root, let's get the whole team together and let's really maybe even go outside the team, you know? I just, I think anything you can do from a conversation level, besides just talking about giving your team that ability to make decisions, it makes you so much more agile. It, it makes you um, so much more effective and it builds that confidence in your team. So that's that's kind of my favorite thing that's in that book. Nice. That's fierce, which is now it's, it's like a, it's an adjective. Um, and so that's cool. I didn't know that uh, I'm going to be calling you that and thinking of you every time I see you. I'm always going to think fierce. Um, and, and it kind of reminds me, I have not read that one, but it reminds me of, of, of two books that are similar in terms of um, communications. One is called Crucial Conversations, which was a which mm -hmm. I, I like that a lot. And then there's another one called Radical Candor. And I think sounds like they all kind of have the same theme, which is, you know, being just very transparent, very honest, very, mm -hmm. um, very assertive in, in, in your dialogue. Um, so let's let's dive into your background Uh I certainly want to talk about your story, you know, your journey, because you didn't all, I mean, you, you, you mentioned, you kind of gave a little bit of a hint there with Maverick, but, you know, can you kind of share what ultimately led you to get into the trucking industry in the first place? I went to the University of Arkansas and I needed a upper level marketing class. And back then the transportation and marketing department were together. So I had to go to the dean who was a transportation instructor. And long story short, he said, you're going to be in my class. And you're going to sit on the front row and you're going to make an A and you're going to like it. And this man was wondering, his name was Dr. Davis. And he he would see me, he and his wife would see me at, out maybe at dinner. And then when I'd go to pay my check, they would have paid my check. They were just really great. Well, he, my last day of school, I'm walking, I took my last final, I'm walking down the hall. He sees me, he goes, do you have a job yet? And I'm like, eh. he goes, come with me. I've got the perfect company for you. So he takes me to his office. He writes down Stephen C. League at Maverick Transportation. He said, go home, they're in your hometown, go home, call them, tell them I sent you. And I did that. I thought, oh, they have a job. He said, I just got through talking to them. I thought, well, they must have a job. This is awesome. And um, I call and Stephen was like, he thought I was some prodigy or something because Dr. Davis was recommending me. Long story short, Maverick, they had 100 trucks at the time. They hired me. So I started off in customer service. Um Moved into operations. I was a driver liaison and, and 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 really worked with fighting for driver rights, I guess, and just representing them. Um, from there, I ended my career there. I was over strategic planning and driver recruitment and um, just corporate development, which included driver training, all that. So I just had a great, they such a great um, place to learn. About the time I would get bored, they would go, Here's another opportunity. Here's another, you know, and to be with a company where they started off with 100 trucks. And when I left, I think they probably had about 1200 or so. Great to be part of all that growth and understand and the, the change in your thinking and the change in the way you communicate, you know, just the image of your company. was just just great. Start. But then from there, I went to work for an agency and I spent about the same time um, at an agency as I did um, with um, Maverick. I um and, and I ended up, I, I was in sales. I did a lot of more, I had a big consulting role, role. So they only represented trucking companies. So I would, I would, it was great. You get to go in and you would learn so much because you, you know, having been at one company, 
learning all the different ways people, you learn there's a lot of people who really the same, <laughs> a lot the same, but then it's kind of how you deliver it up and the, and the value of culture. Um, and so that was great. And then I thought, yeah, I just want to get back to, I've spent a lot of time. I spent the last, I had spent 12 years in theory. I'm ready to get back into practice. So I, I really spent my time. Um, I wanted to get back with the company. I went back to workforce, a medium sized carrier. And then I ended up at Walmart and learned so many great things about how to use resources and how to, to think um, outside the box. Working for a private carrier was fundamentally different than working for um, a public or for hire. Uh, total different way of thinking, total different resources. Um, just a great way to do that. And then I was I was um, contacted, honestly, by some friends that said, look, we found this this opportunity. Do you want to go in with us and, and, and build this up? And, and so in April of last year, we bought Truck Drivers USA and it has just blown up. Did not anticipate it to be um, the way it's been, I mean, Jan my January has been so good that by the mid of January, I had more applications. It was my highest month, two weeks into January. So just growing leaps and bounds. It's just been a fun thing. And I feel my, you know, the community parts kind of who, you know, that that's that community part that kind of goes through the whole probably theme of my life. But just the being able to help people has always been very important to me. That's why, you know, people who love recruiting know that there's nothing like when you get to hire a driver and he calls you in tears about how you've changed his life. I mean, Walmart was really, you. I, we had that daily, you know. Um, and I feel like Truck Drivers USA is doing that same thing. It's 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 a, a connecting drivers with companies and it's allowing them to change their lives. And it's allowing the companies to say, Oh, we're struggling. We really need to find some people. How can I find that right person? So it's it's just a win win for me. Well, let's unpack uh, Truck Drivers USA a little bit. Um, you know, can you can you share more about you know what you're doing, especially for carriers out there who are desperately searching for drivers? It sounds like you're you're seeing that a lot of that uh, demand. Uh, can you share with the audience exactly what uh, Truck Drivers USA is? Yeah, sure. We um, started off as a community. So we were an online community. We have, our Facebook alone has about a million followers. So just for years, it was this community before we decided to say, how can we connect and, and monetize it? Um, and, and so we started off there. Then we, um, we the, our core product, if you will, I mean, we have multiple solutions, but our core solution is, um, a lead match system. And, and the beauty of it is we, I can control, truck drivers come in, they apply uh, within the first 36 hours of applying their match with companies. At hour 37, they're not matched anymore. So, so it's a very relevant lead. I also have a, um, it tops out at 10. So a truck driver will never be matched more than 10 times with the company. Now, my average guy right now is only being matched five times, and that's so good for the driver, and that's so good for the company. I mean, the company's getting a lead that's relevant, and they're also getting, um, you know, someone that's, that's that's looking, but the driver's not having to have 500 phone calls all at once and, and getting annoyed and, and getting overwhelmed and getting confused. So it's just such a win-win for both, and if I can keep it as low as possible and, and meet the, our growth needs that we need to do. Uh, that's the goal. I just want it to be the best for the driver and the best for the company. So lead matches are core. 
On top of that, we do a lot of, because we have audiences, social audiences, upwards of 7 million. So we do a lot of social advertising, a lot of social marketing for our customers as well. Um, been great. We have uh, several customers that just really want direct leads. So we're able to utilize those audiences to drive that um, home to them. And it's their lead and they, you know, it's, it's branded them. And then our third big product, we do a lot of, um, we have a new site. So, you know, check us out. Lots of industry news. But we also will share your story. So we leverage that audience that we have and say, tell us about, tell us about driver reach, tell us about ABC trucking, share your, your image, let them know who you are. We've done it in some cool ways. We've got one customer that does a podcast like this, um, and we we post their podcast every month. So or every week. Every week they do. And so it's been a great resource for that. I've got another customer that's really getting into TikTok. So we're posting their TikTok and we're, we're um, videos and, and we're, we're, sh we're sharing how to connect with them and sharing who they are. I've got another um, customer that um, just does a lot of video and I've got, I've got another one that only wants direct leads. So they're doing, they, they're connecting through our new site, but we're also doing all that social advertising and they're spending, you know, a, a tremendous budget, but just to get those direct leads and it's working for them, you know, and it's not saturating the audience so much that it's all, None of it's sales pitchy, you know. I think that we one thing I've learned about this audience that's been fun is they just they just want to talk. They just want to find out what's going on. They're interested in how-to videos. They're interested in industry news. They want to know what's going on. They want to see the TCA reports and the ATA. What what are they doing? They want that as much as as our peers do, right? Um, and then on top of that, let me see who you really are. Let me see that culture. Let me see who you really are. And they're really responding to, to all of that. And then supporting those, we have several direct marketing things. So we, you know, your classic text blast and email blast and just a variety of other things that we're doing to um, to support all of those. Areas. I was going to say, you mentioned uh, a million Facebook uh, followers. That's, that's a lot of people, um, you know. How are you able to leverage that? Or you, is that sort of the community that you're talking about, that driver community? What sort of engagement is there uh, on, a, on an ongoing basis? Oh, it's crazy. A couple of months ago, it, it, what we do is we create content and we just let them talk about it. We're not, and we're, we're, we're not controlling the conversation. We're not getting, trying to control how, what they say. We're just letting them talk. And, and what, our audience tends to be, you know, when I worked for a trucking company, I remember when Facebook first came out, everybody was like, oh, it's so negative. I don't want to be part of Facebook. These, we're finding we have more positive comments than anything else. And it's because they're, as a whole, as a community, they're encouraging each other to do things. They, li they like humor. And we'll post a lot of, we're, we're the king of memes. And they love it. And they go viral. I had a video two months ago that hit 23 million views and it had about 500,000 engagement. So 500,000 people off this one meme shared it, liked it, commented, um, you know, did whatever off one little image. It's just amazing. And, and it just, you know, we see that every month. Our, we probably have about 75 million engage, um, impressions and, I don't know, probably half a million engagements per, you know, 
on average for per post. So it's it's really going gangbusters. Just a great community. Well, your past, as you described your past, even starting back with Maverick and, and there for a long time. I mean, this is that predates social media, predates Facebook. So how have how have you seen the uh, driver audience change? Because obviously, more social engagement. You're talking about memes and and uh, and and all, you know social posts and and all that sort of thing. How have you how have you seen that change? How, how's it evolved? Oh, I, I have to tell you a little story. When I was at Maverick, we had we we were really big on and we and they still are. And I'm a true believer in referral programs. So we had a referral program, and it was open to anyone in the organization. And we had this guy and he consistently was getting, and he worked in the office. He was consistently getting six or seven hires a month. And we were like, how in the heck is this going on? So I took him to lunch and said, okay, tell me how this is working. And he said, there's this thing called Craigslist. He's like, it's online. I place an ad. They call me. I tell them about the company. I get on an application. And that's it. It's like, you know, we didn't know about that's, you know, so that's the beginning of, of honestly understanding digital media, digital marketing and, and social and it expound, you know, blew up into Facebook and it's blown up all around. So just the progression of that has been interesting. Now, as you all know, video is is everything. And I think with drivers, we did a survey not too long ago about the podcasts that they listen to. Drivers listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts, especially when I'm driving. I mean, that's that's that you you get to pick your own magazine, if you will, of talk radio, basically, you know. So just that interaction, it's gone but beyond just the written word, you know, you know, so that makes it so much more important important. The audience itself is really changing. Uh of course, on our in our community, I'd say Probably about 85, 90% are driving the driving force. We're seeing more and more families come on board and engaging. It's really neat. I saw uh, a post the other day. We had some meme about your driver, you know, the fam- something about your family not getting home or whatever. And a wife kind of had a little, oh, it's been so hard. I miss my husband. And about three other wives immediately went on and said, oh, look, my husband's been trucking. Here's the benefits. They exchange DM me if you want to to talk and with so so they're even building a community through this, which is beautiful. So supporting that, and then I've noticed on our um, site itself this month alone, we our um, drivers applying in the category of need CDL training increased by twelve percent. I mean that's I've just seen a consistent increase of that, and that's a good sign for us. I mean that's saying there's people actively seeking um, how to become a driver. Uh, that, and that becomes very important. I mean, I think that, that's healthy for us. We also have seen an increase, um, you know, you can see the countries that are communicating with you. I probably get a message every day from someone from another country saying, help me become a truck driver in the United States. So so that's interesting to, to see that as well, too. Well, you know, th- that might be a good segue. I do want to uh, touch on the new entrants coming into the industry because there's a question I want to follow up with there. But um might be a good opportunity to segue into the deeper dive question. And this is where we have a question submitted by a listener. And, and the question is, what's the most cost-effective lead source for drivers right now? Is that, you know, what are your thoughts? I know that probably changes and there's a lot of factors, but how would you, uh, what's the best response there? Okay, well, the... Director of Recruiting Hat says, honest to goodness, it's your referral program. I mean, that, I mean, that's 
helps in every other aspect of what you do. On the, okay, I need to get leads today. For us, that lead match system, we're averaging, I'd say our average lead right now, um, so far for January is, I mean, right at $10. I mean, it's it's really, I've got, I've got people um, with leads in the $5 range, but I've also got people, you know, if you want, I need owner operators with three years of experience within a 20 mile radius of Savannah, Georgia. Okay. They're costing, they're $60, you know, a lead, but, but collectively that's definitely been, and, and I, we, I also see my um, customers are getting the most hires from that as well too, because it is a very competitive hire. They know they're looking and, and it comes through, you know, they, they can do it in real time, right? I can get that lead. I can call them today. I can begin that relationship. So, so that's the, probably the most cost-effective ex, external from your organization, but internal, I mean, your referral programs are very important. It's a measure of your morale. Yeah, it's not only, uh, and that's an excellent point. I'm glad you, you, you answered that kind of in two ways. And I think uh, it's eye-opening the, the number of companies that probably don't leverage their own drivers like they could and should. Not only is it a far more efficient and effective way, uh, they, they probably are more loyal and they last longer, it'd be, it'd be my guess. I'm sure there's statistics that show their average length of tenure is far out, you know, exceeds, you know, a typical, you know, lead, you know, sourced through some external uh, system or program. I'm working on some technology right now and I see it really in that referral realm where it's a QR code system, but it will read and I, I'm, it will read like if, if I took, if I took a scan that QR code and I have my phone um, in another language, it would read, it would tra automatically translate all of the information that you're going to share with them in their home language. I think that's great. I mean, could you imagine your referral cards with that scan on the back? So again, I know that drivers have to read and speak English. I get that. But if I were in another country and I could fill out an application in my, in English, I would fill it out so much quicker and I would feel an affinity to that company. And I would, you know, I think I think there's so many things that we can do that will that kind of bleed over that's going to expedite and build that culture, build that community, just just make us more inclusive as an industry. Last last brief question here is uh, where are we going to find the next generation of drivers? It's encouraging. You you said that you're seeing this influx of drivers say, hey, or, or new applicants, new entrants wanting to get their CDL. That's very encouraging. Um, how are we going to keep that momentum going? I think a couple of things. I think community. So I think we've got to build, I, I did, I got to speak this summer with um, a representative from the Nebraska State Association, Trekking Association. It, really interesting. They had done some research. You were there. You saw it. I was there. Yeah. Great research where they had taken high school kids and they, they said, okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? And not one kid wanted anything that they did not, one could even mention transportation. And then as they dove into the marketing aspects of it, the kids had no idea the technology that's on the vehicles. I mean, I've got an, a 17 year old nephew that is glued to a gaming station that is, you know, but every single thing that he enjoys what that he's doing can translate into, Hey, if you were driving a truck, this is what what's going on. They love the aspect of living in a tiny home. They love that kind of feel. They love seeing the world and, they love the thought of not having debt when they got out of, you know, the idea that someone would actually pay their schooling if they stayed with them was they love. Them. So the lifestyle itself is conducive to, to, to where our kids want to be. 
but we've got to get them interested in it. So we've got to figure out a way to build an online community. It's not going to be in Facebook. It's going to have to be somewhere else um, for these kids to understand what trekking is, for them to communicate, for them to, to really understand the benefits and to engage with them. It's going to have to have some, you know, that's going to be the biggest difference is building that. I also think that, I mean, back in the, I'm say my age, early, I'd say in the 90s, let me give you the 90s, we were doing a lot of recruiting from, you know, New Zealand. And they would come over here and they would drive for two years, live in their trucks, go home for six months, come back. I think we're going to have to think like that again. Um, and I know we've got a lot of border issues. We've got a lot of that. But I have when you, the top five, or, well, the top countries that have expressed an interest to me are certainly Mexico, um, Australia, uh Brazil and Canada. Well, most, I mean, everything but Brazil, their their first language is English. So the, all of those things make sense. Well, I guess in Mexico, but still we have Canada and, and Australia. But we have an opportunity to do that and to, to be successful. I think, I think we're going to have to open up our minds to some of those things again, at least in the short term until we get these kids where they need to be. Well, I really appreciate your time. Can you uh, share just what's the process for a carrier to engage with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, certainly you can call me. I'm going to give you my phone number, 501-992-8117 or uh, Lori, L-O-R-I at truck drivers, plural, truckdriversus.com. But make sure you tell them Jeremy sent you because, you know, we make sure, let do Jeremy the kudos and, and the, I just appreciate so much you offering having your show because I think it really helps us understand more about our industry and really sheds light. I just really appreciate it. Thank you for letting me be a part of today. Yeah, my pleasure. And, uh, and thank you so much for joining us. And just for the record and for the audience, uh, I don't, I don't get anything for that. I promise. It's just, uh, <laughs> this is what, this is what uh, family and friends do. So uh, thank you. Uh, I really uh, wish you the best this year. Uh, prosperous 2022. Thanks, Lori. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you use to listen. Until next time, thank you for taking the higher road.